I'm Chris Hansen, and I'm going to need you all to have a seat right over there because it's time to listen to the podcast, Eddie Green's 101. So this has been, and it sounds like you heard that, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard it. All right, cool. So this has been a, uh, this is in my head, this has been a long time coming um, because I had Damien on, I think it was episode 97, somewhere around there. And uh, of course, you know, David Howard Thornton, the name David Howard Thornton kept coming into the conversation. And I thought <laughs> at some point, it's just only, it's only natural to, to have you on the podcast because um, yeah. I, 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 I personally and loved talking to Damien and you have a much closer relationship to the guy. So um, <laughs> like it's, uh, he, he, I don't know, he seems like such a down to earth, just because that's one thing I told him during during the the conversation was that it didn't feel like a interview. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. uh, like a traditional. Oh, I'm going to ask you questions and you are going to answer them, and that is that. It was just a, <laughs> it was just two dudes hanging out. That's what it felt like. Yeah, that's Damien in a nutshell, right there. He's just another dude. <laughs> that's but, but that's what's so cool about it is that he hasn't let it affect him to, to oh God, no. you know what I mean? Because like so many people, you yeah. read so many horror stories about how the stuff just gets to their heads and and yeah. uh, and then they f- they go off the tracks. But he hasn't. And from the looks of it, you haven't because I, I, I invited you on and <laughs> you were pretty quick to be like, yeah, I'll do I'll come on. And sure. um, it's it's cool, man. It's cool. So uh, welcome to the podcast. It's good. It's good Thank to have you. you. Thank you. Um, I did show my girlfriend who had never seen Terrifier at all. I had shown it to her three nights ago, I think, and she loved it. She's a, she's a big horror fan and, uh, she had always had it. She has like a big to watch list and Terrifier was Mm -hmm. always on there. So when I told her that I had talked to Damien and that you were coming on as well, she was like, oh, well now we have to watch Terrifier. So, uh, it was cool to watch it again because I've obviously seen it previously, but it was good to rewatch it with a lens of, all right, so now the director slash writer has been on. Now I'm going to talk to the, the main guy here, which is, which is crazy because you're totally 180 from that character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I think I have like the same kind of, you know, dark humor at times, but I, I don't actually, you know, act upon certain impulses, I guess <laughs> you could say. <laughs> but it's crazy because uh, she messaged me after we watched it and she knew you were coming out. She was like, she sent me a side by side of you and she was like, mm-hmm. wait, that's the guy who plays art? I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the power of makeup, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when people say that too. And they're like, "That's the guy that plays him." I'm like, "Yeah." I, no, it's it's definitely a com- it's definitely a compliment. Yeah, I was like, my my teeth are much better. I- <laughs> <laughs> but like, talk me about like, okay, so for for anyone listening who doesn't know the history of this character, you're mm-hmm. actually not the original actor that played Art no, the Clown. No. And that is something that Damien and I talked a lot about in that episode about how he 
recast and was there any kind of difficulty in there? And so from your perspective, what was that process like when you are filling the shoes of someone who's already essentially started a character? It, in a weird way, it's sort of mm -hmm. like Robert Englund and now, but this is not the same, but now you're Jackie Earl Haley. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally know what you mean. I, I think more a better comparison would be like Kane Hodder taking over all the guys that had played, you know, there Jason you before him. Yep. Because I, I kind of look at like Kane's the one that kind of brought Jason to a total different level and stuff like that. And you know, I, I, I kind of feel like I, I hate to sound egotistical, but I feel like I brought art to a different place as well. You know, I, I took what had come before and then put my own stink on it, I guess you could say. <laughs> I, <laughs> stink, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like it's it, it was it was very unnerving because I actually I was like I'm the third person in a way to play art because first it was Mike Gianelli who was in All Hallows Eve and, and also the short film Terrifier which was put into All Hallows Eve but then there was a guy named Brandon I think that played him in a teaser trailer that he ended up not actually doing the part because of the contact lenses or something like that so it, it just happened they needed another art so they posted a, a, a notice for it and I answered the call and and I was so worried because I was like, God, this, this character already has a fan base and I know how I am. I'm a fanboy too about things, especially like whoever plays the Joker or something like that. I get really uh, about that. And so I'm like, Oh God, all my bitchiness in the past is going to come back and bite <laughs> me in the ass now because people are going to be looking at my performance and comparing me to Mike's. And I'm like, Oh God, they're going to tear me apart. I just know what I, so I've, I was very nervous you know, just how the fans had received me as art as opposed to how what Mike brought to it. But I'm like, it's it's been a really good reception. So I, I'm relieved. So, yeah, that's why I, I liken it more to the Kane Hodder instead of the Jackie Earl Haley. Because <laughs> I'm like, not not discounting Jackie Earl Haley. I'm like, God, he's a fantastic character actor. Oh, my God. But it's just like, you just can't beat Robert England's performance as Freddy. I mean, no one is ever going to surpass what he did with that character. He is Freddy. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was like, because I... Uh, thinking on my feet, I was just like, okay, what's one of the most prolific uh, Freddy Krueger? And then I was like, okay, so that's, you know, because to, to like the Michael thing, the Michael Myers thing, yeah. it's, I mean, there's so many people and it's a mask. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Michael doesn't have a lot of personality. He just kind of stares at things. And like Jason at least has some kind of personality in a way, you know, yeah, a little bit more than Michael does. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but what's cool about your particular character and the film is, and I'm uh, speaking for myself particularly, but I'm, I do think there's people that will agree with me that we didn't really even know there was anything prior to Terrifier. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, a lot of yeah. people think, like I'm sure if you were to take a poll, a lot of people think Terrifier is the like the start of this character and they don't know like the whole backstory and history um, so in a way you have that, uh, like to your benefit, because a lot of people think you're, you're, you're the original art and, um, yeah. they like, there's nothing to compare you to. And if the internet didn't exist, you'd be golden. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like, you know, more people discovered all Hallow's Eve because of terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's. Because like All Hallows Eve did have a fan base, but it wasn't a huge fan base, and it, it, we we even saw that when um, 
they apparently tried to do an Indiegogo campaign for Terrifier 1. And it was nowhere near as successful as like what we did for part two. So it just shows you how much bigger the fan base for this character had gotten between the two films. Yep. Yep. And it's that's that's pretty cool in itself. But it's just like, yeah, it's like All Hallows Eve for the longest time was like one of those like like underground type of, you know, horror films that a lot of people had not seen i had come across it because i had seen the character in an image and i was like this character i've never seen this clown movie because i love clown movies Uh, and so i was like i gotta see what this is and that's when i checked it out i was like oh my god he's an awesome character i hope they do more with this i just never imagined i get to play him yeah yeah, (laughs) dude it's well it and what's really cool is that when you go to conventions you're you're not just typically showing up as as david you're you know i i I can't imagine robert england to bring him back doing what you do Mm -hmm. every time you go to a convention which is you literally are the character like i can't imagine him putting on that makeup for every convention appearance (laughs) Oh, I think he's gotten to that point in his life where it's like, I don't want to put on the makeup anymore. It's just like, you know, after like how, uh, like what, eight films or something like eight or nine films, probably playing or, or also TV series and all that kind of stuff, putting on that makeup. He's probably like, I'm done doing this to my skin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> are like, like, do you feel like at some point you'll reach that like way down the road? Do you feel like at some point you'll be like, look. Can we Maybe let... way down the road, <laughs> but I'm like right now. I mean, it's it's a great thing to do. It's like the fans freaking love it. I love doing it too because I like to just mess around with people. It's, yeah. it's fun for me. <laughs> it's just like it's I, I get to just go back and be the character again and just have fun and you know joke around with people in a weird way. So it's just like it's, it's very freeing to play this character. It's like I I felt the same way as when I did like Joker or when I was Grinch doing some public, you know, appearances as both characters. It's just like God, you're, when you play characters like that, you're so uninhibited, and people let you get away with things you usually can't get away with. They're like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Like when I did Grinch, I was going through uh, Times Square. And I was going up to people in the middle, you know, they're sitting at an outdoor cafe and I go over and grab the bread off their table, and start eating it. And they're like, first they get pissed off and they see who it is. They're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Ah. But you were doing that it's for like, the, yeah. but you were doing that for like the, uh, the official Broadway show, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I, I was just, I was, I just did it on the way back, going to the, back to the, um, from the studio where I was doing a, re- a recording. To, they're like, you want to take a car back? I'm like, nah, let's walk through the streets because <laughs> there's only a few blocks back to the office. So it's like, I, I want to interact with the public like this. So it's like, how, how many chances do you get to do something like that? So it's like just messing around with New Yorkers. It, yeah. That was fun. And I wonder how many of those people thought that you weren't some official Broadway actor, that you were just like one of the crazies that put on, you know, the costumes in Times Square and try to get money. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, I, I think it kind of helped that I had like an honorage with me as well. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so you had all the yeah, who's so, with you. Yeah, you know, not not the who's, but I had like, you know, the producers and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So like guys in business suits and <laughs> Oh, wow. Damn. <laughs> and with cameras and stuff like that, too. So I was like, okay, that made it look a little bit more official than just like some rando just out there in Times Square in like a you know crappy Elmo costume that smells like it's been out in the subway for like <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, that's funny that you say the Grinch because I live in Orlando and uh, right up the mm-hmm. road is, you know, Universal Studios. And every year they do the, yeah. Gr- the Grinchmas. Do you ever think... Uh, 
like, would you ever go back to that? Like, would you ever go like maybe not doing that particular thing, but if they mm-hmm. did another revival of the Grinch on Broadway, would you, would you do oh, it? Oh God. Yeah. I'd do it on heartbeat. I, I mean, it, that's, I mean, I had fun understudying the role cause I was uh Stefan Carl who was Robbie Rotten from lazy town. And I was his understudy for that. And we, he had two understudies, which was smart, <laughs> but it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun understudying. Um, and so, yeah, I love the character. It's a, it's a fun character. It's a hard character to play though, especially wearing that costume because it's a very, very, very hot costume to wear. And it's very, very physically demanding role too. Yeah. And plus, but I still do it. Plus, isn't it? I would imagine it's sort of in the contract that you have to do a Jim Carrey impression. Not really. No. I mean, like Stefan didn't do a Jim Carrey voice. He, he's, he was from Iceland. So he already had a weird accent anyway. And he just kind of his, his voice is kind of gravelly too, from all the smoking he used, he, he did oh, wow. back in the day. And so he just had this nice graveliness to his voice anyway. So it worked. I'm like, I don't know how he did like sometimes 12 shows a week that way. I'm like, it's like he hardly ever called out. He had to be extremely sick to call out because he was, that man was a powerhouse. So when I hear all these like, you know, like uh, a professional, not professional, they are professional, but like these like, uh, bands and stuff like that or doing their concerts like ah, it's too hard to dance and sing in multiple shows a week i'm like yeah it is hard but you have people on broadway doing it eight shows a week plus and yep. they can't and they're not getting paid nearly as much as these people are doing you know making millions doing these concerts so it's like yeah buck up buddy yep if you got the talent then you've got the talent if not make room for other people yep yep and i and 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 how happy were you that you had nothing to do with broadway when covid came around because oh my god like you talk about like i've heard so many horror stories of how how like how just their their whole world turned upside down when broadway shut down Oh my God, that was insane. Like my, my friend Jen had just gotten cast finally in Chicago on Broadway. And, you know, she was on all the, the images and stuff like that they use for advertisements on, on like the taxis and stuff like that in the city. And then all that happens. And I had that happen to so many friends. Oddly enough, I was approached to play uh, Willy Wonka in Whoa. the national tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the first tour of it. And I had to turn it down because that's when we were filming terrifier too. And it worked out for the best for me because about a month into the, the Willy Wonka tour, that's when everything closed down. So I was like, Oh my God. I mean, my buddy Corey was touring with Aladdin for years and he finally got to play genie after understudying for so long. And then it closed down because of, you know, it's it screwed over so many people that have, been working their butts off you know it's just like i'm so glad it's gotten back to you know running again and stuff like that yeah yeah one of um uh i'm a big bob saget fan and he had on Mm -hmm. his podcast uh he had on one of his friends who i guess was a or is a very prolific broadway actor and the just the stories he was telling on that episode was was both heartbreaking because he had personal issues going on at home with his wife and now he's out of work and it's yeah. it's just because uh, I don't know I I think the general public thinks even Broadway actors are somewhat on a pedestal, and yeah. I think that really kind of showed that even you know I mean unless you're I don't know like I I don't know who wouldn't be affected on Broadway by something like that like a big name star but I don't know 
you know it's it was it was just rough and it's like it's because you know that's how so many people made their bread and butter you yeah. know that's their thing and it's it's you know they had to just go and live off on unemployment for basically a year or so because they, they you know it's not like you could go do other jobs at that time too because like yeah maybe waiting tables but you didn't want to wait tables during that time that was the worst time to, i mean i used to i waited tables for 13 years i was God, I was the whole entire time I was hearing from my friends that were still waiting tables during the pandemic and how miserable it was, how just people were acting towards them the whole entire time. And they weren't making nearly as much money as they used to. And I mean, hell, when I was waiting tables, I was just making enough just to scrape by with my rent and, you know, all my basic needs every month. So it's just like, oh, my God, it's like it was a disaster. So it's like all these, you know professional performers you know that's that's their thing it's also their therapy in a lot of ways too it's like it's 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 not like a lot of other jobs where you know it's you if you're not working you're you're like oh that's great i'm like i i don't want to go back in the office anyway and have to file paperwork and stuff like that for you know performers not being able to perform for over a year that's soul crushing in a lot of ways i mean i i mean i haven't been on stage in like five or six years and i miss that even and it's just yeah. at least i have you know film work and stuff like that where i can do at least conventions and stuff like that but oh my god it's just like that 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 drive to perform i mean i i think i if, even if i was like a multi-bajillionaire i would still be like i i want to go perform at some local community theater or something like that because it's just that that it's a it's addictive yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. All throughout high school, that was my bread and butter as well. It was, that's what got me through high school. It was doing theater mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. you know, everything from To Kill a Mockingbird to The Wizard of Oz and, and everything in between, like little unknown shows. It, it, it is addictive and I haven't acted in years since then, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's definitely therapeutic for a lot of people. Yeah. I definitely agree. Oh, definitely. God. Yeah. I mean, it saved my life. It literally, it saved my life because I, mean, I, I went, after um in first like when i was in you know my middle school and high school years that's when i was bullied so much and this is where i found my outlet it's like when i discovered my you know my gift for entertaining people making people laugh and that's what helped stop the bullying and then after my mom passed away when i was in college i threw that's when i decided to become an actor instead of a teacher and i threw myself into acting and that saved me because i was so depressed and angry i went through a very dark period for a few years there until i started really just acting because i was able to escape from everything else in my life and become someone else for a few hours every single day and that was i loved and it was like that was, that was therapy yeah. it was therapy for me yeah yeah well, that, well that's crazy i didn't even know you wanted to be a like a teacher i can't i can't see yeah, you as yeah. a teacher <laughs> I have a degree in a BS in um, elementary education and a minor in history. And are you being like, hold on, a BS? Like you're not, wait, are you being sarcastic? A Bachelor of Science. No, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I always forget you have BS. Yeah, uh, oops. <laughs> yeah. That throws people off sometimes. Yeah, it's like no, not not a bullshit. No, yeah. <laughs> I have a bullshit uh, yeah. degree in. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is a real degree. I actually graduated like top of my class and everything like that. So it's just like they should change those initials. They should change those initials. <laughs> they really should, because it was always just like Bachelor of Science. I'm like, it's just what? 
it's just really i mean I, I am learning some science to teach kids but i'm doing everything else <laughs> but the sciences i guess are because you had my college you had the bachelor of fine arts and you had bachelor of science okay okay like yeah like the theater majors and stuff like that were in the bachelor of arts and stuff like that but just gotcha. it, it, it was it was it's crazy but it's like I came from a family of teachers. I'm like fourth generation teacher in my family. And so that's, I was trying to be pragmatic with my life. It's like, yeah, as much as I love acting, teaching as much as it doesn't really pay a lot of money, it's still a stable career, especially when you're a male. I hate saying it, but when you're a male in education, you're guaranteed a job because they're always looking for male teachers, especially in a lot of the, like the, the more at risk schools. Got it. Yeah. Because yeah. they, 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 there's a lot of kids that don't have father figures and stuff like that. And it's, they, it's, it's, it's like a boon to have male teachers, I guess. It's, it's, I mean, I don't think male teachers are better than female teachers at all. It's just that that's just like apparently the way of the world. That's what they explained to me. And I was like, wow. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. It's uh, sexist, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't matter to the sex, but. Well, what's funny is I just saw a couple of days ago, I saw Gilbert Gottfried. He was doing some stand-up, and his opener was a, a female comedian, and part of her shtick, and I think it was real, like I don't think she was lying, uh, was she was a, a, a teacher previously, and then she quit that job because she, she she just couldn't do it anymore. She couldn't stand the kids, and that was all part of her, you yeah. know, her act, like, you know, want to punch kids and shit like that, but... uh it, 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 it's definitely a demanding thing. And, uh, Oh my God. Yeah. It's, and I, I think a lot of people during this pandemic learned that because they had to teach their own kids at home. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. I think they discovered, Oh, this is not easy. <laughs> and as I, and that's just one kid. Imagine having 20 of them. Yeah. And then you have all these different individual education plans for like different kids that have different needs and everything like that i mean i i they're called ieps like when i was teaching and i i remember like when i was doing my student teaching i had out of 20 kids in my class i had 13 different ieps so i had to make different home 13 14 different homework assignments 13 14 you know, like different tests for each subject for each individual iep it was <sighs> yeah Holy shit. It's, it's maddening. It's, it's teaching is not a job. You can just, when you clock out at the end of the day, you're done. You have to take all that home with you. You have to grade papers. You have to plan for the next lesson. It's just, it's a full-time, full-time job. And I, in my humble opinion, they don't get paid nearly enough what they should. It's like, you know, it's, it's I, I always feel like the, you know, the most noble careers in this nation don't get the credit or, you know, the, the, the income they deserve for what they contribute to society. And it's, it's, it's a freaking travesty. What, what we pay teachers and how we teach, uh, how, how we treat them, especially what you see going on right now with the, you know, critical race theory and all that kind of bull crap or, but don't get me started on I <laughs> going off on that forever. Where it's like, I was like, that's something that's not taught in schools. It's not, it never has been, never will be. That's like college level, like master's program theory. <laughs> it's yeah. too complex to teach in grade school. It is not taught there, but it's just, ugh. oh my God, you're getting me on my soapbox. <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes to education, it's like, oh my God, it's, it's always people 
that don't teach that try to make all the decisions about how things need to operate in a classroom. And it's like, no, you have no idea how any of this works. You don't understand how complex teaching is, especially having to sculpt young minds and raise them, not just raise them, right, but teach them. And there are different ways you have to go about teaching. There's, there's so much philosophy that you have to study and a lot of, you know, psychology. I had to take five different child psychology classes. Damn. There's a lot. There's it's it's a lot more complicated than people give it credit for, and it's 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 hard. It's a very hard job. Yeah, and it's it's like I said, it's a travesty. It's an absolute travesty that teachers are not cared for in this nation and valued like they should be. Well, I think you're blowing some people's minds who might be tuning in and going, "Wow, I did not see." this conversation <laughs> going this direction, which is good because yeah. it, it just shows another kind of layer to you. I think a lot of people can mm -hmm. just think of, you know, uh, you do this one thing and then that's your, that's your claim to fame and all right, well, he just lives a normal life. No, but it sounds like you have real passions and, and. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I get that a lot where people are like, I, that's one of the things that ticks me off is people like just stick to acting. Don't Ooh. talk about anything else. Just stick to acting. And I'm like, I actually have a degree in history and <laughs> like in education. And so I'm like, I know things. It's just, just because I'm an actor doesn't mean I can contribute in other ways to a discussion. Yeah. Well, I've never, I've never prescribed that whole notion of like, if you're an actor, you can't have an opinion like that whole thing yeah. of, of people who are so offended when someone, you know, who does your profession or, or something similar speaks up and says something and they're just like, shut up, like stick to your, like stick to what you're doing and don't say anything mm -hmm. else. I've never believed in that. Like, I think, yeah. and you're clearly proof that, you know, you have stuff behind you that, that, that validates it. And, yeah. you know, I think everyone's a, opinion matters you know it's it's yeah. but uh you're just on this kind of other level that people look at and go well i wish he would just do that and nothing <laughs> else you know i know it's it's i'm an egghead i can't help it <laughs> no, but it's good it's good it's it's yeah, good it's, it's, I, like i said i come from a family of teachers and engineers so just like every everything in my family on both sides of my family is well researched and that's that's all i was taught my whole life research everything do your due diligence all that kind of stuff so it's like especially when stuff i care about i research the crap out of things i think it's part of my autism too where i just like i overly analyze and overly research everything that i care about well what would you say is like is teaching the number one thing you're most passionate about like spreading the message of getting teaching kind of more you know focus that, that's one of my, yeah, that's definitely one of them. I won't say that's my biggest thing, but it's like, I, I just believe in having an educated populace, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, it's, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, why they, a lot of people don't want the populace to be educated because they're harder to control. Yep. That's like a, a, an educated populace is a more knowledgeable populace that understands the workings of the world and they don't just buy into every little thing that pops up on a meme on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, when you, like when you said you come from a family of teachers and engineers, what do they think about, uh, you know, obviously they know what you're passionate about mm -hmm. behind closed doors, but what, what you're publicly yeah. doing, like, what is their opinion of that? Like, what are they? Oh, they're happy. They're, they're happy. <laughs> I, it's funny. Cause you know, I have teachers and all that in my family, but also it's a family of artists too. So it's like a lot of musicians in my family that also do like my, 
my dad worked at NASA, but he was all he would also act and he would also sing and all that kind of stuff. It's just like every like my grandmother who was a teacher, she was a professional singer as well as a well as a diver. So it was like I, I come from a very eclectic family, and so they've they've been very happy. It's, in in a lot of weird ways, it feels like I, I took up the mantle that my grandmother had because she was asked right before um, she got married to join back in the the early 1940s to join a professional singing group that at the time was one of the big names in the United States. They want her to be their lead singer. And she turned them down because she had met my grandfather and wanted to get married. And she, then she went into teaching instead. And so I kind of did the opposite. I, I gave up teaching to become a performer. Yeah. Damn. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. But yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't go in the direction necessarily that, you know, you're, you're, you're playing this kind of, some would say, uh, is the next kind of on the new Mount Rushmore of horror icons. It's, <laughs> you know, especially after the sequel comes out, I can only imagine that it's, you know, they're already etching it further into it. Um, like mm-hmm. that you're going in that direction. Uh, Mount Gushmore, we could call it. Mount Gushmore. There you go. Yeah, there you go with your with your BS degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I am known for poop, so. <laughs> but you know they, they like like they have to be going like on one hand it's so cool that 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 this is happening for you, but on the other hand it's like, wow, he's in the horror community, which is a really niche kind of thing. It potentially yeah. the, it's potentially the most niche of all the genres, you know. Yeah. So it's definitely a place I didn't imagine I would ever be because like I, I never focused on horror in, in acting. I was I was a musical theater guy. I was doing comedies. That's yeah. all I ever did was comedy. And I was like, oh, you want to do this horror villain? I'm like, yeah, sounds like fun. But there's a lot of comedy <laughs> in in Art the Clown. Yeah. So you get yeah. to you. So you get to kind of incorporate that love of comedy into this character yeah. and and really run free with it. Cause man, I'll tell you when, when my girlfriend was watching it, there was like, there was multiple moments where I could just tell that uh, if it wasn't visibly jaw dropped, it was internally jaw dropped. It was just like, (laughs) what the hell is going on here? You know? Yeah. It's like, this guy is having a lot of fun doing this. Like I could tell she was, you know, reading that and it comes across in spades in the film. It's, it's yeah. it, it's terrific. I, I, I think that's what kind of separates him from all these other would-be horror icons are trying to come up and so because everybody's been trying to be the next Jason and Mike Myers and stuff like that, but it's always just some variation of that. Yeah, it's just another guy wearing a mask, and it's like oh, what you're missing is the charisma that's behind the character. Yep, and it's like it's and I think adding that more of that humorous, playful nature to him is what boosted that with him what separated him from everybody else but it's also it's 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 a challenge in itself because we have to walk that fine line with the comedy yeah with being <laughs> too campy and silly with things and there are times on set where we do something that's hysterical and like we can't use this though this is way too silly this is just too funny we this is no <laughs> i think the only i think the only moment in the first film that i think if i read her correctly was like okay this is just was when uh the uh, art is as the woman you know yeah uh, like <laughs> like i i like 
I would imagine when you're filming that, you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe we're pushing it. Did like, did you think that? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, <laughs> of yeah, course. Okay. We, we actually did two different takes of that too. So like you have that one, but we also did one where I came up with the baby doll, Emily. And I was doing stuff with the baby doll. Like I came up and the doll was sucking on my boobs. Okay. And, then, right. <laughs> and then I started using, I started puppeteering the baby doll. Like the baby doll is the one that finds where she's at. And she starts like pointing where uh, Victoria's hiding and everything like that and whispering in my ear. So I'm doing a whole puppet routine with the baby doll and talking to it and stuff like that. And, oh, I mean, not actually talking, talking, but it's like, it's talking to me. And I'm like, Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it it's like Damien basically, I guess, had to flip a coin on which version to use. Is just because like, they're both creepy, but kind of funny and silly in their own way. But that's that. But that's he's a clown. That's yeah. the thing. It's like he is a clown, so he would do this kind of stuff, this silly, creepy stuff. And that's that's. But it's trying to find that line, just not going too too silly with things. Like when we were um had Jenna tied up in the chair for um, when I'm bringing all the different you know, weapons and taunting her and stuff like that. I did full on like comedic bits with different weapons. Like I, I there was this, like this long, I remember one of them especially was like this long um, pole that had a big, huge spike on the end of it. And it kind of looked like a golf club. So I did the whole um, Johnny Carson golf swing bit. Like I was going to go swing at her <laughs> knee too. And oh, I'm like, yeah, kidding, kidding. It was just, that if they're like you know the crew's laughing but like god this this is probably not the time of the film we need something funny <laughs> well hearing you talk as like the inner thought of art so what you like what you just did when you were doing the swinging mm -hmm. and you're like kidding kidding have you ever thought obviously no no talk of the sequel have you ever thought of what art sounds like i i have but i haven't because i i just don't I don't, I, I mean, I, to me, I think it would be hysterical if you just sound like some posh British guy, because that's not <laughs> the voice you would expect. You expect something more creepy and sinister to come out, but yeah. it is, but if it's like, yeah, it is, hello, yeah, yes, I'm off the clown, and yes, I got to whack you in two with this hacksaw right here. <laughs> We're going to have so much fun. But it's like, I mean, I think that would just be hysterical if that was the voice that came out. It's just like, what? That's jarring. But it's like, but no, I mean, he's never going to talk. And it, that that's the thing. It's like, if he ever talked, it, it would piss off everybody because number one, no one wants to hear him really talk. And if whatever voice come out would not be what, what people wanted a voice for him. Well, to yeah. Be, is, everybody has their own idea what he should sound like in their head. Yeah. Well, that's the same argument with Jaws and not seeing the shark. And then, of course, you mm -hmm. have your you're the shark. You you have this idea of what it looks like. And then, of course, you know, towards the end of the film, you see it. And I'm sure there were people back then that were like, I didn't think it looked exactly like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's the same kind of thing yeah. here where, yeah, uh, I, I, I would love to. I would love for the moment that happened to be in a giant kind of convention uh, like arena mm -hmm. with all the fans and just to audibly hear who and 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 just to hear everybody if they liked it or if they didn't like it like i would love to hear yeah. the reaction in like a madison square garden presentation of terrifier five and <laughs> and, and 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 art talks Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It, would it was kind of like when uh, in um, Mel Brooks's silent movie, 
the only person that talked and that was Marcel Marceau. <laughs> and he just goes, no. And it was just like, what? He actually talked. Yeah. Yeah. That was like so jarring. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not supposed to know what you sound like. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Well, you well, you mentioned earlier that you love the character, the Joker, and I can't imagine mm-hmm. in in being in Joaquin Phoenix's uh, shoes when they made that film because, yeah. I mean, you talk about you already have to fill the shoes of Heath Ledger, and then of course you have to fill the shoes of Jared Leto, who's you know who's definitely divisive, but who those, has... those are like baby shoes, yeah. <laughs> little actually like Barbie doll baby shoes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, there's people out there that love those little baby shoes. They like they like they go ape shit for those baby shoes. I'm not one I, of them. I don't it, get those people. I was gonna say those it, people need to sit and be on a couch somewhere <laughs> talking to a therapist because I'm like, why? It doesn't sound like you are either. But uh, did uh, did Zach? <laughs> no. Did, did Zack Snyder's cut change your opinion or no? No. No? No. <laughs> Hell no. No. Him growing out the no, hair did like, nothing for you? Him growing out the oh hair? Oh, God, no. I, was like, <laughs> I, I knew as soon as I saw the first image of him, I was like, fuck this. Oh. I was like, this is, they don't understand the character at all. Because first of all, Joker would never have a bunch of tattoos on him that were supposed to be jokes. I'm like, that's No. <laughs> That's too obvious. That's 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 you know like the damage done his forehead. I'm like, if he, as he says, if you have to explain the joke, there is no joke. <laughs> it's like so. It's just like no, he would not do that. That's just it's. He's classy. He's a classy villain in that way. He would never debase himself in such a like just thuggish manner. He sees himself as a higher class of criminal. Yeah. So it's like you don't understand this character at all. Then I hear of all the the jokes that he was playing on set by mailing a fetal pig to someone <laughs> or a used condom. Like, no, that's not the type of jokes Joker does. Yeah. Unless there was like if the fetal pig was made up to look like the Joker and had the big, you know, Rick just grin on it or something. That's what he would do. It just wanted to be a fetal pig to be, or a used condom just to be a used condom. There would be a joke around that joke that would make it actually a joke. I'm like, that's just being obnoxious. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it either, so I have no, un- yeah. no understanding of why they went in that direction. I, I am, I am a super oh. fan. I am a super fan for the longest time. Jack Nicholson was like, mm-hmm. he was here. He was the top jo- yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, man. I don't know about what you think about it. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. what you think about it, but I think he is, I don't know. He just, and he's not even the Joker quote unquote for that yeah. long. And he didn't need to be. And he already, yeah. I think he, and for a lot of people, he bumped it every iteration out maybe not Heath Ledger but that's just mm-hmm. you know yeah my 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 take on that was like um his performance in the movie was fantastic he that was the movie itself was fantastic from a a, a story point but that was not the joker and that was like that was not the joker of the comic books at all and that that was my issue with the it wasn't really his performance. I don't blame him at all for that. So it's just like, but it's just like his performance is amazing, but that was not the Joker. And it's like, you know, like the whole thing where like he he shoots the host and all that and everything goes crazy. It's like and they played it off as like, oh, this just all happens around him. He's just like, oh wow. It's like, no, no, Joker would have had all of that thought out. That would have been his whole plan. He knew that if he shot that host, this would cause a riot in Gotham. People would go crazy. And that riot would therefore 
be going on the same time the Waynes were getting out of the Monarch theaters, which would trigger all that to happen, so he could finally get his you know vengeance on the Waynes. That's that's what Joker would actually do, and he'd be like, yeah, he he would be reveling in it all, and it's but. It, is itself it was great i i just feel like that was a movie that didn't even have to have a batman element to be a great movie no and that's what everyone it's a says great, it's a, that's what everyone yeah, it's, says it's a great movie about mental illness yep yep and and that's what i loved about the movie it's a great movie in itself it, as a batman story no because also you're not supposed to know who the joker is it's just like that's the, the like i said you don't explain the joke yeah, the, yeah, there was a there's a there's a YouTuber I follow, Dave McRae, and uh, mm-hmm. he he said it perfectly. He said the only reason it was a Batman movie was to get your ass in the seat. That's it. exactly that's that, that it, that's it. That could have been an Oscar contender type film. Yep, beforehand, but it wouldn't well, have. It, but, but it wouldn't have done. But it a, wouldn't have been selling. And and yeah, exactly. It it would not have made a billion dollars worldwide. Exactly, yep. exactly. And that's why they did that. I, I feel like this is already its own script. And they're like, you know what? If we add Batman to this, this would work and yeah. get a lot of money for us. And that's what they did. It just feels like all that Batman stuff was just kind of put in last minute. Like, well, we'll just put this stuff in here now. But it's in itself, it's a great film. Oh, my God. It's a great film. I watched it a few times because, like, I love the film as itself. I was like, this is a great bit of cinema. Oh yeah, which is but as a Joker story, it's not Joker. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because I tell a lot of people because I've seen it so many times, and they're like, "How can you rewatch that movie? It is so depressing. It is so, it is so not a rewatchable movie." And I'm like, "I don't know." To me, it's, it's his performance. Yeah, he's got a great performance. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I, I just loved watching him in it. You know, his whole like dancing and all that kind of. I, I loved. I was like, "That's that's a really creative thing to do there." And, Yep. That, that, that was fun and he was just great he he gave a fantastic performance and i, I mean i was i was ready to you know tear it apart when i saw it too and i was <laughs> like because i was like ah what are you doing but I was like no you did a great job great job but as a joker story it's just i, I see it as more as an elseworlds type of story okay all right so is yeah. it am i correct in assuming it's probably either heath ledger or jack nicholson for you oh mark hamill Mark Hamill. All right. Yes, it's definitely Mark Hamill. Because I you he you have to say he is actually one of the cinematic jokers because Mask of the Phantasm was released in theaters. There you go. Mic drop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Boom. He's just not live action, unfortunately. And now it's like, oh my god, he would he would make an even like live action, he would make a fantastic joker. I mean, he played the trickster on the flash back in the day, so I was like Okay. All right. Yeah. What are your thoughts on? Because look, everyone talks about Heath Ledger. Like, no offense to the mm-hmm. guy. Like, like at, at this point, when you talk about Joker, it's almost like you just have to say he's your favorite. Otherwise, people will attack you. Yeah. But what is your thought on Jack Nicholson as the Joker? Oh, I, I loved him. But it's also, it's there's a difference between like Mark Hamill and Heath Ledger and Joaquin's performance versus Jack Nicholson's performance. And also Cesar Romero's performance, because he's also another cinematic Joker people because there's the Batman movie from back in the sixties. But it's like with those performances, you forgot who the actor was. They lost themselves in the role. They became the role watching Jack. You're like, yeah, it's Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Because <laughs> it's Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson. 
but it's so it's so much fun to watch in yeah. itself yeah. so it's just like ah uh, yeah so i was like i can't hate his performance at all <laughs> well that's so because that's what's so interesting about actors and and why you have those people you have joaquin phoenix daniel day lewis mm-hmm. meryl streep who can just they become the character and that and yeah. then you don't see the actor and then you have the other spectrum where it's Jack Nicholson, it's Adam Sandler. They're they're the same person yeah. in every goddamn movie with just a different coat of, you know, hairstyling and and, mm-hmm. and, and and clothes on. It's but they're so much fun to watch at the same time. So yeah. it's like I can't complain. It's just like it, they they know their type. But that, that's the one thing I had to say about Heath Ledger's performance, even though it wasn't comic accurate. My god did he give an amazing performance like i mean you're not sitting there going that's heath ledger yeah i mean like because i I, i'd seen him in so many other movies beforehand and that was like when they first cast him as joker it's like why the hell are they having this romantic lead pretty boy play joker oh my god (laughs) and then he plays and i'm like oh my god i went back to see it in the theaters because i wanted to see his performance again i was like that was fantastic wow i had no idea he had that in him yeah yeah. And it's it's a shame that that was his last big role. I mean, there's you know Dr. Parnassus, but you know I don't really count that because you know he never finished that. But yeah. it's just like man, we really lost out on an amazing actor because I think he would have gone to amazing places in his career after that role because oh, yeah. it, you you would have really seen him branch out and do some amazing character roles just like daniel day lewis type of stuff gary oldman type level stuff where it's like wow this guy is good Ugh, what a waste well I, I was reading a collider I, I think it was collider i think it was one of those big news sources i was reading a because the obviously as of this recording the new batman movie is coming out soon mm-hmm. so of course everyone's talking batman and uh, they were doing a whole article on Heath Ledger's Joker, and and the author of that article was saying something to the degree of, really, that performance is only we t- like we're still talking about it to the way we are. It's it's only because he passed away, and mm-hmm. can you, like and and then he and then he presented a whole other scenario where had he lived after the Dark Knight. You know, he was he, like he was saying, and and Heath Ledger would have hosted SNL, and they would have done a. You know, they would have done a whole opening bit as the Joker and he would have gone on and done uh, like like right now we would be anticipating his appearance in The Flash or something like that. And yeah. and he said it's it, it it's only on this pedestal because we're watching, a as he said, a dead man put on clown makeup. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, I wow. Can see you. Yeah, I can see a little bit what he's saying there, but at the same time, but I, I, I think that detracts from what he did, though, performance-wise, because you're watching this, and like that's not Heath Ledger. He lost himself in that role, and that's what I really enjoyed about his performance. So that was not like anything else I had ever seen Heath Ledger do. Yeah. Well, well, do you prescribe to the I, like notion that that was the like it was the role that killed him? I no, I don't. I don't know about that per se. I think he just had a lot of other stuff also going on in his life yeah, too. Like that, it's like because I, 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 I don't know. It's just like I don't know him personally, so I can't really say for sure. Yeah, but um, I, I have friends that were friends of his, and they're like, oh yeah, he had other stuff going on in life too. So it's like he, 
it's it's a, a very unfortunate, a very unfortunate thing. It's like uh, I w- really would have loved to seen what else he could have done, though. It's yeah, like, uh, of course. I I think people, definitely a talented man. I think people spin that because it's more it creates more drama that way it's like the role oh, yeah. the, the role killed him he got so invested in this role yeah. and he lost himself and oh you see that a lot it's like i i even posted on facebook a few weeks ago there was an article on cracked talking about all these different actors have played batman villains and uh, you know it's that kind of stuff where like oh yeah this character affected me and this this way and i couldn't get you know just bad ways and and I'm like, I, I think so much of that is hype. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, I, any good actor knows how to turn off the role, to, to step out of character. That's that's something you're supposed to be trained to do as an actor is to step in and out of character. I'm like, I can do it at the drop of a hat. I don't have to like be art the whole entire time on, on set of Terrifier and you know stalk people and do just be by myself and creeping people out and stuff like that i i'm myself i'm cracking jokes i'm doing silly voices whatever i'm having normal conversations with people and then they're like okay rolling and then i'm art then they're cut okay how was that oh my god i'm sorry did i hurt you you know this Oh man, that's it, I, that's got to be jarring for for, for for the other actors. It's got to be a little bit weird when I'm one second on top of them, just ah, then cut. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I, I would but, think it's yeah, like that's, a... that, but that's acting though. That's to me, that's what acting is about. You, but I've also I I've learned how to do that kind of stuff because I would do plays where I had to play multiple characters in the same show, and sometimes I would have to interact with myself on stage. And have conversations with myself. So I had to be able to change characters and, you know, and, and be able to switch that easily. Oh, man. Oh, dude, I would I, I would pay to be one of like, like just an extra and have you go into mm-hmm. town, like just stabbing the, the shit out of me. And then all of a sudden they call cut. And I just want to see. Well, one, I just want to see <laughs> you talk as art. I've never seen oh, you, yeah. you as the character talking as art. And then, uh, but then I would just love to see it in that environment with like the grime around and everything. And yeah, dude, that's, well, that's crazy. That, that kind of made me think of something that happened on set of part two. Is I don't think this reveals anything because of obviously I'm attacking someone. It's like, but we're doing an exterior shot where I'm attacking a victim and I'm just going to town on this character. And we're racing the sun at this part and we're filming, and people are starting to come into work. And <laughs> <laughs> this this car pulls up right when I'm just mid take, just going to town on my victim, and they stop, and all of a sudden, zoom, just back up, zoom right out of there, like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I, I'm like, did you not see all of the lights up and everything and the cameras and <laughs> wow, but. They, they just saw this clown covered in blood just going to town on the victim, and they're just like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> well, that's well, so, well, th- th- that's the cool part about, you know, the fact that you're still only one film in in, in the public's eye. Two hasn't yeah. come out yet. You were filming two. So not a lot of people. I feel like after the sequel comes out, there's going to be sort of this, you know, because it, it's just going to push it out even further into the public eye, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like at that point, you know, when you're on 
Terrifier 3 and something similar happens, I feel like people are going to recognize and go, oh, okay, wait, hold on. Let's put two and two together here. We know who this is yeah. now. You know, you're still just working off of that one film. So people are, they're like, oh God, is this the insane clown posse? What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck I, is we, this? We did have a few moments because we did some filming, especially here in New York City and, and, and one location, like almost in midtown Manhattan. It, 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 I mean, it doesn't really spoil anything because you kind of see it in the, in the trailer where I'm in the costume shop and stuff like that. And we shot in one of the bigger costume shops here in the city. And and you would see, you know, people on the street, you know, and they would see me and a few people would recognize me and like, oh, my God, are you filming Terrifier 2? We're like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, other people wouldn't, they had no idea. And it's like we had this great shot, too, in, in, in part two where um, they're just filming me and you, you see someone walk by the door of the building and I just totally did it in the moment, and they because they stopped and looked at me, and I just put my finger and I'm like Shh, to them and shook my head, and the, the person just kind of like I just bugged out, and they just like turned and walked <laughs> down the street like, and our our costumer was outside where that happened. She said the guy out there just goes, "What the fuck." <laughs> Because I'm covered in blood and everything. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, that guy's on his way to work. And he sees that staring at him from a window of a business. He's <laughs> like, this is great. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think we're using that at all in the film. But oh my God, that was a great moment. And I was like, it's, I don't think they just had the guy in the shop. But that would have been a great thing to actually keep in the film. It's like, oh, man. Where, where, did, where did you film Terrifier 2? Like we found that in parts of uh, Philadelphia, okay, um, New Jersey, here in New York City, and then upstate New York, we built a uh, our own little kind of studio in a barn, okay, where we filmed a lot of big set pieces. So those are places where we could just get covered in blood and crap like that, and it would be fine because we're like, okay, this is not actually someone's property. We built like bedrooms and stuff like that, and like. Uh, like uh, one, of, you know, like that that big scene where you see him with the flamethrower in the in the the trailer. That's all filmed up in that barn and stuff like that. So we we didn't have to worry as much about stuff there. So we could go crazy, which was nice. And you actually got to use a flamethrower. Oh yes, <laughs> that was amazing. That was that was, and it wasn't your typical flamethrower. This is something they just jury rigged together. They just shot out the um. The, uh, that had the compression tank and stuff like that and just shot out the, the, the fluid and you just had a flame on it. Goes, it was it was so much fun to use. So, oh my God. And they're like, let's do another take. I'm like, yes, let's do another take. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, to j just to tie this in, because when I had Damien on, we talked a little bit about Joe Rogan because him and mm -hmm. I realized, uh, I think he had a Joe Rogan mug and I had my Joe Rogan hat on. And uh -huh. uh, so we got to talking about Joe Rogan. Uh, did you ever see that episode where he was talking to Elon Musk about Elon Musk selling flamethrowers? No. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Elon Musk actually made buyable flamethrowers that you could, you could purchase off of, I don't know what the site was. It was some official Elon Musk site or something. And he was talking about it and they sold out like instantly. And Joe, of course, was like, well, did you ever think about the ramifications of like, like, what's the legality around selling a flamethrower? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are you going to use that on and how <laughs> safe is it going to be? I'm like, 
we had the whole entire like that the the fire department from that area that that they were all in there you know for all of that yeah. and we had all these professionals <laughs> on set for that thing it was like this is this is like the last thing we filmed right before the pandemic closed everything down. It's like just a few days before everything closed down here in New York. So we're so glad we got all that done oh, right yeah. before all that. It was like, oh my god, I and mean, that was probably because that's also when we used a lot of our extras that we got from the uh, Indiegogo campaign. Okay, they they um, they got to die in fun ways. You know, there's there's their you know they paid a certain amount of money and that was their perk. Yeah, was to get killed on screen, and so that's that's the week we did all that. So, it was supposed to be the most stressful week for us because there's so many elements that are in that scene, so much stunt work and all that kind of stuff, and so many moving parts. And it ended up being the most fun week we had in the whole entire shoot because I think it was a bit of freshness that was brought in because all these extras. So you had people that had not been there and then like a lot of locals were coming in with the fire department that had to be on set and stuff like that. So it was a whole lot of fun and we would party basically every single night too. And it was like, boy, we didn't realize what was about to happen the next week. (laughs) So it was just like, it was, it it kind of felt like it was like the last big party before like the world went crazy. Yeah. And it seems like there's, it seems like there's something similar going on here because correct me if I'm wrong. The first Terrifier film was filmed a while before it was released, like big, like a big release. Yeah, yeah, we filmed that um, starting in fall of 2015, and we had our first cut finished filming in early 2016, and then we came back and filmed two extra scenes and some pickups in early 2017, and then officially released it in 2018. Damn, that's a long time to be associated to a to a single project. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah, wild. but we've done that with part two as well, but well, that, because of the pandemic. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. gonna say. Like, I, like I sort of ironically, you're you're following the same kind of progression where you started twenty what like twenty nineteen, you would say? Yeah, twenty nine fall twenty nineteen, we started filming, and we were supposed to be done, you know, that spring of twenty twenty. And it's like we, we didn't really finish everything until last year, like mid last year. Damn, that's wild, so but. Like, Ugh. but do you pandemic but eh, what can you do <laughs> do you think there's like some weird kind of um specialness to that like do you feel like there's a there's a kind of starting it and then having a little break and then going back to it do you think there's something to that or yeah but it's not in the way you would think it it actually kind of helped us in some ways oddly enough because um we had like two big kill scenes that we started to film right before the pandemic and we had to take some time because Damien had to build all the prosthetics and everything that were needed for the la- the big parts of the kills. And then the pandemic happened. We're like, well, crap. When do we get to film again? We're like, well, we're like, well, let's don't waste time here. And Damien's like, okay, well, we got. I have now the time to build all this stuff. So why don't I go back to the drawing board and relook these at these last two kills and I'm going to polish them and make them where I want to really go with them. Cause you know, what we had originally planned was going to be sufficient, but we went back to the drawing board and just broadened those kills even bigger okay. and made them bigger and bloodier. And it's, it's like, uh, like the, the big kill scene that happened in the film came about because of this. And it's, I mean, we had started filming it before the pandemic and, 
can tell you, you know, like what we already started doing was great. Um, it made one of our crew members who's a huge horror fan have to excuse himself from set because he was getting nauseous. Damn. So that's what we ended up not using because we came up <laughs> with some, a much crazier kill scene than what we originally planned. And it originally was supposed to just take two days to film. It now took us about five days to film because there are so many elements to it. Because Damien's like, let's just throw we, everything we have into this and go crazy with this kill. And I, I think it's going to be the most talked about and most controversial part of the film. Because it's not a very happy scene. It's a very brutal, <laughs> brutal scene. Oh my God, it's brutal. But it's like, it's gory. It's gory. Oh my God, it's so gory. It's about four or five minutes of art just going to town. And it's just, Jesus freaking Christ. It's, we're going to get some hate from some groups of people, I'm pretty sure. But that's the thing. You, that's what horror is supposed to do. It's supposed to cause controversy. It's supposed to push those envelopes. Yeah. The, the, you're going to get a cease and desist from the Catholic Church. You're going (laughs) to, yeah. Oh my God. I just know you're going to get those Bible from this is just evil. This is just wrong. This is up the uh, devil. <laughs> but I mean, you have to like, that's part of the, like that's part of what a sequel is. And obviously for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen, which I can't imagine you're, you're listening to this if you haven't seen terrifier, but just in case you haven't seen terrifier, you're obviously talking about topping the scene where you have the, the chick upside down and you saw her in half. You have to top yeah. that. And yeah, that's what everyone is aware of. Like that's the, you, you have to top that. That's the shark eating Quint moment. You have to, you have to top that. So. And it's hard to do that is, we were like, Oh God, did we set the bar too high for ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) And it's not the same type of kill either. So it's just, it's a different type of kill. So we'll have a different shock factor to it. It's going to be more like, Oh my God, dude, stop. Just stop. Stop. (laughs) Why? Why? This is too much. Do you have any insight on what the movie's receiving in terms of rating? Is it like already an NC-17? Oh, I'm pretty sure it'll be an NC-17. Oh my God. I, I, I think when we're filming the first scene in the film, uh, the kill is just like, we're like, I think this would already get us an NC-17 rating. Just Yikes. the first 10 minutes of the film, it would do that. It just like, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see we'll see you know it's just like i even said you know because you know i would love to see this in theaters but they're like well because the content matter in c17 i was like well hell we should still put it in theaters let it be the most kind con- like the most successful nc17 movie released in a the theater then they're just like let's keep the controversy going look I'm like look, that Look, it's gonna put butts in seats, as we know from Joker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. Really, what you have to do is go back and do a pickup of Bruce Wayne meeting Art the Clown, and now you're yeah. now you're getting <laughs> <Mickey> is... <laughs> yeah, sticking his hand in the kid's mouth and shit. Like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing, dude? Um, but uh, oh, I, I was gonna say if if uh, because dude, this is a. I saw this movie in theaters, and I almost walked out when I saw Eli Roth's mm-hmm. The Green Inferno. Mm-hmm. And I could like I almost walked out, and I look I I I love me some some gore, I love me some yeah. some you know some pushing some shit forward. 
I don't know. When I watched this, I was like, I can't believe this is in theaters. Like, I don't like to me, this is this shouldn't be in theaters. So yeah. if if the Green Inferno about cannibalism and all that shit can go in there, what the hell? Terrifier too. Exactly. That's how I look at it. And it's like also like we're not doing gore just for gore's sake, just to be gory and gross. It's also entertaining. Yeah. It's just like it's because he's doing art the clownish stuff while he's doing this gory, horrible stuff, which that's that's what I think is really fun about the kills. It's like, yeah, they are very gory kills, but they're also kind of fun to watch in an entertaining way. It's like this is really it, it makes you question yourself when you're sitting there watching. It's like, why am I enjoying this? This is really horrible what he's doing to this poor person. Yeah. Well, I always that always came into my mind when I was watching the Saw movies. I was like, why mm -hmm. am I actually enjoying this series? As much as it's not making sense by the, the third, fourth, yeah. and fifth films, why am I still... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why am I still enjoying these? And it's because, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it was the torture porn aspect, but it was also there was actual story built in around mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. It, it was done in an entertaining way. It wasn't gorgeous for gore's sake. And that yeah. that's like hostile i i had a hard time with the hostile films because it just felt like gore for gore's sake and i was like i'm just this gross this yeah. is just gross yeah yeah well what's weird about hostile because i saw that for the first time my girlfriend showed that mm -hmm. to me and uh because you know after seeing all you seen in 2021 going back to what i don't even know when that movie came out like the early 2000s yeah early 2000s yeah. Somewhere... it was before i moved to new york so it had to have been before it had been like 2004, 2005 ish time. I don't know if you've watched it recently. It's it's somewhat like I don't know. Maybe I watched a, like the R rated version. It's somewhat tame mm -hmm. to, you know what I mean? Yeah, it might. But then that was like something else. Though, but oh, yeah, I, I yeah, guess yeah, there's yeah. yeah yeah since then. So yeah, I haven't watched it since I originally saw it way back in the day. So I just remember that eyeball scene. I was just like ah. <laughs> I can't do with eyeball stuff. It's it, eyeballs or like fingernails or bones breaking. That always gets me because that's stuff I've experienced myself. So I empathize more with the victim and I can feel that pain. And it's just, oh, yes. One of the most painful shots. Tell me if you agree or not is in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake where he has the it's the dude, I think, after he chopped his leg off, he's taking him down to the cellar and he's trying to grab mm -hmm. onto the wall. And they have a close-up of the dude's fingernails coming off mm. as he's scraping around. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that <sighs> kind of stuff gets me. It's like broken bones. I'm just like, yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It was one. like when they did that in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that that the the leg break i was like ah yeah where he hit him and it like went sideways <laughs> yeah i was like ah yeah because I, I i had a compound fracture when i was like 15 it, when i went to go get see gallagher the comedian i smash his watermelons <laughs> oh yeah that's what i was doing i was helping him do the sledgematic routine i slipped and fell and broke my arm yep yep yeah yeah and so that's I, I know that pain and it's just, I had, I had metal plates in my arm for a while there and is all he, that kind of stuff. Is it's, he it's still like, is he still a thing Gallagher? I think so, but not like, I, I think I, I, mean, I haven't talked to him in years, like 20 years or so. So I have no, but I think he went a little bit crazy. Oh, wow. For Yeah. Like went a little bit 
off his rocker, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm like, which is a shame because like Gallagher, like most people don't realize, but he he was a very very intelligent man. He was like, um, I, I think he had a degree in physics. I think he was a physicist. <laughs> That's funny. Because like he would have science manuals all over the backstage area that he would just read. Yeah. And um, even like after I broke my arm and stuff like that, he would send me, he got me a subscription to a science magazine and all that kind of, he, he was all about education and stuff like that. But you know, people don't think of that. That's like, oh, he's just a guy that smashes watermelons on stage. Like, oh my God, no, the guy's very smart. It's yeah. like his comedy was very, very intelligent, very, very cutting at the time it's like but he's just known for smashing watermelons yeah well because even that he applied physics to it all that's the thing he, he understood how what would work and what would fly and what type of sledgehammer you'd have to use because he had he would always be concocting different things to do it was it was very smart yeah well that's why i found it funny when you because because i didn't know he had a degree in physics but then when you said physics i'm equating to him smashing the watermelons and it's just adding up it's uh it's, yeah it's uh, but, oh, what, yeah. but what's so weird about him is he 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 came to the place when I was doing my uh, high school productions. It's called the Flagler mm-hmm. Auditorium, and we were doing it, it. And they also have touring Broadway productions that go through this, so it's it's associated with with that. Plus, the high school can perform in there. So when yeah. he when he came through, and and back in the, that's eleven years ago, I was uh, aware of who Gallagher was. I was like, like. Gallagher is coming through where I do my shows and he's going to what he's going to do his routine. They're like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to smash his watermelons on stage. And I'm like, Oh, all right. All right. That's great. That's cool. I I've been on the same stage as Gallagher. Uh, yeah. But I feel like a lot of people nowadays, maybe even people listening to this are like, who is Gallagher? Yeah. Google him. <laughs> Google, Google him. him. It's, Cause like his, 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 his specials were really great back in the day. I mean, it's like the, he, he, he one time did the whole, a whole bit about the English language, how crazy the English language is with, you know, just the, um, the words O U G H, the different ways to pronounce words and why English is so confusing for other people that are not native speakers to learn it. Cause we have so many rules, but those rules don't apply to this and this and this. And he does this whole entire routine about it. it's a brilliant routine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, Oh dude, I love seeing stand up comedy. Like I said, I just saw Gilbert Godfrey the other day and he's a, uh, Oh yeah. He, he's terrific still. I like, you know, um, he, uh, cause, uh, I saw Bob Saget. So can, like, can we quickly talk about Bob Saget? I saw him. Uh, I saw him on the 7th of January. He was in Orlando at the, oh, at the hard rock. You were there. I was there, dude. And I filmed it and vlogged about it. It's on it's on my YouTube page. And obviously, January 9th, he passes away in Orlando, yeah. Florida. And so he's but like Bob Saget is he's always been my favorite comedian because mm-hmm. I'm a big full house guy. And just that 180 of Danny Tanner to Bob Saget is so appealing. Yes. So appealing. especially when you've seen the aristocrats. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh my god! I'm like his version is probably the best version of the Aristocrats. It's just like, oh my god! It's so, so wrong. It is so wrong. <laughs> but he he it's was so he's funny. the sweetest guy. He he, he was. Yeah. I saw him three times total, and he was just the nicest dude. But then seeing Gilbert Gottfried, and this is where I was getting with it, is it's a very different kind of performance where Gilbert mm-hmm. is just he comes on, does his thing, and leaves. And yeah. when I and when I all the three times I saw Bob, 
it didn't feel like a performance. It just felt like he was hanging out on stage and telling jokes. And, and, and it was just, it was beautiful. And that was like, that is the biggest celebrity death of my entire life in in terms of like how it affected me. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like still to this day, I like, I, I, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe we live in a world without Bob Saget, you know, it's crazy. It's so crazy. That's how Robin Williams was for me. I was just like, Oh God, I was depressed for weeks after he died. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I, I feel like a lot of people turn to Robin Williams. They turned to Heath Ledger, bringing him back. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Bourdain also, he, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll pop up from time to time, but I think Bob is a little more tragic because it, 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 he, you know, if you're talking about Robin, it was just out of left field, out of left field, out of left field, you, you, you check into your hotel and you hit your head somehow. And that's that. And can I say how ironic that is considering the final episode of Full House? No. Michelle fell off the horse and hit her head. Dave, I never even put the two together. Yeah, I I thought of that immediately. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) You just rocked my world. You just rocked my world. Yeah. That is ironic. I'm surprised more people have not brought that up because I'm like, Hello, final episode of Full House. Michelle falls off the horse. Hits her head. concussion. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. That's like, wow. Wow. Plot twist. (laughs) Yeah, that was was just... I remember when they announced that, and like my roommate comes in, she's like, Bob Saget just died. I'm like, fuck you. No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't believe it. I was like, no, this has got to be a joke. There's no way, no way. And then I'm like, wow. Okay. Everybody's confirming it. Oh my God. What? Yep. Yep. And do, and, but I, I think it affected me because I saw him less than 48 hours pre- uh, previously. Yeah. And, he and was- I, I had seen him tweeting about that. He was doing that. He, he had Instagrammed about all that, that he was doing that show. So I'm like, he seems great. He, he just tweeted the whole thing about, you know, his life's going better now. And, you know, he's, happy and all this and it was like just a day or so before that and it's just like yep what happened yeah yep and i i don't know it's so sad it, it's super sad and i don't know if i'll ever feel that again you know because uh mm-hmm. it, it, I'm, I'm i have a photo with the guy from my first time meeting him yeah. uh oh, after God. his stand-up he he was trying to get into his uh, Escalade outside of uh, Jacksonville, and I stopped him. And it was raining, and I was like, "Bob, Bob, can you please sign my full house set?" And he signed it, and he took a photo with me. And he didn't have to do that, you know. I like, yeah. like I've I've always said his his due was paid in the theater, and he didn't have to do anything outside of yeah. that theater. But the second he heard me yell, "Bob," he turned around, came over, made us get out of the rain. It was it was great, and. Uh. I'm great. glad to hear that, though, that he was like that. That's that always makes me happy to hear because it's like, uh, because he is, he's like, he was like America's dad for the longest time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think the saddest thing is, uh, hearing John Stamos talk about it, about how all of them mm-hmm. think that he didn't know how valued he was. He was very yeah. insecure. He didn't know how loved he was by people who knew him and by people like yourself and I who were just fans. And yeah. You know, not not just a full house, but also, I mean, I loved him on America's Funniest Home Videos yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, too. And just a stand up. Did you ever see his game show, One Versus 100? 
Oh my God. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's one of his underrated things that he ever yeah. did was he hosted a game show and it was, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great game show. Uh, he, he had a great quick wit about him. I, I, I think that's why it's good to like get stand up comics to host game shows. I'm like, you look at Steve Harvey doing family feud. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I, 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 we watched family feud all the time on set of terrifier one. Oh, that, like, oh, that's funny. The yeah, because we had the game show network at one of the locations we sat. And so they would just play all these episodes of Family Feud with Steve Harvey. And I was like, oh, my God, that was a great way to kill time. It's like, this is hilarious. <laughs> How funny would it be if you're on Terrifier 3 and you're watching Family Feud and something involving Terrifier pops up in the in the poll? I would love it. I would be. I would just be precise <laughs> myself. I was like, I've made it now. I've made it. I'm a question. I'm a question on Family Feud. <laughs> this like, is great. Like we pulled a hundred people. Name name a famous clown. Yeah, and, and I would be like, that's. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> that or Jeopardy. I'd be like, we're a Jeopardy question. That's great. Because like, because I think right. Like there's the, the, there's certain things you want to hit as you as you progress up this this ladder of you know. Yeah. Um, so like something like oh, that being, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was like, we, we recently became an, an official garbage pail kid and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> that's amazing. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And yeah. you have, and you have, it's not official yet. Keyword mm -hmm. yet. You have an unofficial Funko pop. Yes. Yeah. Unofficial Funko pop. But yeah, you're, we, but do we you need to get an official one. Fingers, it's gotta happen. Fingers crossed. I mean, they got Freddie, they got Jason, they got Michael, they got Leatherface, they have Pennywise. They have so many just random bullcrap Funko pops too. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, come on. We got to have a Art of the Clown Funko pop. I mean, especially once part two comes out, there's going to be so many, you know, options for variants and stuff like that not just art but different characters yeah. from the films from both films i'm like i mean it just lends itself so easily to funko pop it does and i'm gonna turn the camera i have a whole i have three bins of funkos <laughs> nice so when that when when that drops you better believe because oh yeah i saw the because I, I saw damien post about it on facebook that he was painting or like they're like they're painting the unofficial ones I about mm -hmm. kicked myself that I was like, I, how did I miss this? How did I not know about this? Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm kicking myself. I didn't get the unofficial one, but when the official one drops, that is a day one buy because it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's like, yeah, I can already see it. And like you said, the chase, I can see the chase variant and, uh, yeah, like I'm geeky. Like that'd that be great. It'd yeah. be great. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I've been so just besides themselves with the action figures that Trick or Treat Studios and also um, they're being released soon with uh, 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 Twisted, the knucklehead action figures and stuff like that. But like the, the, the Trick or Treat, you know, the, the, the one six figure are amazing. Yep. Like the and I'm not trying to just sell it. I'm like I, I was I literally just amazed like the details in these things. That, like, this that, is like photorealistic. That, well, that's what I was saying, because I don't know if. Uh, this is proof that Google listens because today that that literal preview popped up in my Facebook feed <laughs> and <laughs> and it I was blown away by it too. I was like, this actually looks like Art the Clown. This doesn't look like yeah. something that doesn't look like art. This this looks like art is just posing for like you're doing the famous thing where you just freeze there. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> it's like they, and they're so articulate too. So the articulate, <laughs> but I'm like, you can just pose them in so many ways. Like the, the people have gotten really creative with it. And I, I've seen someone recently built a, um, a little background of like the whole entire scene with him at the table with the, the, the brick wall behind him and the pipes and everything. I'm like, my God, that's amazing. It's, it's it, like, I love that. It's like the amount of just the care that was put into that just makes me so happy. Well, I'm sure you knew about it previously, but I'm sure it's just hitting you more and more every single day about, oh, yeah. about how invested people are into this stuff. It, it, it really hit me more recently when we did a convention there in um, uh, North Carolina for Mad Monster Party two weeks ago. We we signed so many of those figures. People were coming up with so many of those figures for me to sign. And I was like, this is amazing. It's like, this is, wow, this is really real. Wow, this is I, I, I'm actually signing an action figure of myself. This is. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, dude. That, and like something like that, like what goes into that? Do you have to, do you have to go to trick or treat studios and like do photo sessions or do they just take no, it? No, the... they just did it. Like when, now when they did like the mask, the, the, the trick or treat studio mask, they took, they had me just send him some just pictures of my actual face and me making the same facial expressions and stuff like that. And okay. also, of course, Damon sent a bunch of reference photos. But I'm like, no, I didn't actually have to go in there with makeup or anything like that. They just did that off of photos. And I'm like, that's talent. That's because I've seen some of these figures and they look okay. But like, this was like, damn, this is like, it looks like you just shrunk me down. Yeah. Yep, you pulled a Willy Wonka in your mic TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this like what like when it comes great. to the figures, like you almost have to when it doesn't look like the character, you have to trick yourself into thinking it looks like the character yeah. to make you feel better about spending that much money. <laughs> you really do. You <laughs> really do. Oh my god, it's just like, oh, that's supposed to be Batman, really? That's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> one of the hardest that ones, is. one of the hardest ones to always get is Arnold Schwarzenegger as like Oh um, yeah. He's one they of the hardest. Right. They never do him right. They Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is not Arnold. This is not Arnold. There's something always off about Arnold, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to say, like Todd McFarlane does a really good job though with their figures. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Those uh especially for like for some reason the smaller ones of those look better than the jumbo ones, because I have yeah. all of them. I have I have the sideshows, I have I have yeah, all Sideshow does a great job too. I have all that shit. And it's just like, I wonder why the smaller one is somehow better looking than I don't know what that is. It, 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 I don't know. It has something to do with it's, it's all a mystery to me. I don't, <laughs> it's like, that's, that's a whole another art form. No pun intended. It's just like, it's, that takes special talent to be able to create <laughs> those things. Take something that's actually based on a real person and try to make it look like the actual person. I'm like, that's hard. Unless yeah. you have the person come in and you're doing the three D the 3D scanning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Which is but how if they, you're just going off of photos, wow, that's that's that's, that's something. That's else. even more impressive because the old technique is to do the three D facial scan and and yeah. somehow those didn't even turn out right, but they're just basing it off of photos that are two D. Yeah. Which is pretty yeah. impressive. Maybe, I mean, maybe Damien sent them in a mold of my face or something like that. I don't know, but I know I I didn't go in for anything, so I was just like, "Oh wow, this came out great!" Yeah, but uh, of course you had to sign off. You had to be like, "All right, yep, use my likeness." Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I get a percentage, so I'm okay with it. That's pretty cool. That, like, like that's got to yeah. like that 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 just has to be an ego thing to go. You want to use my likeness to make this action figure. Yeah, that has to be like, holy shit. They want to use my face on a thing yeah. that people are going to buy. And I'm probably going to have to sign a shit ton of these when I go to conventions. <laughs> yeah. That's it's nuts. Like, this is it. It's kind of weird too. Cause I'm like, this is money that I don't have to do anything for. It just comes to me. I'm like, this is a cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of like the whole Bob Saget thing about the full house royalties and, yeah. and you're, you're, you're probably set for life in terms of just yeah. royalties that are just going to keep pouring in. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope, you know, we'll, we'll see what kind of deals are made for part two and stuff like that. Because like, yeah, w when we made deals for part one, we didn't know what it was going to become. Yep. So it's like, yep. it's, that's this, we're in a different ball game right now. It's like, now we are a proven commodity. And so, yeah, I think, I think Damien can ask for a better deal this time around for himself and he deserves it in my opinion. Cause I mean, like not only did he direct it, he wrote it, it, he wrote it, it. <laughs> English hard. <laughs> he wrote it, you know, he wrote it, directed it, did all the practical effects. He edited the whole entire film. You know, it's just like he funded a lot of it. It's just like this is his his creation. He deserves to get rich off of this, I think. It's like he's not just like someone that just came in and just put his name on something and walked away. This is fully his project. Yep. Yep. Um well, look, David, uh, I don't want to keep you any longer. You've been insanely generous with your time just coming on here. Very spur of the oh, moment. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, but it's been a blast. And I just want to ask when it comes to Terrifier 3, because I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that's, I'm pretty sure that's confirmed. Um, where do you think that's like, do you think, is it going to end at three? And then it's just a solid Terrifier trilogy or... I don't know. It's all up to Damien. I mean, he recently just said like he actually has ideas for a three and a four, maybe. Um, like it's just it depends what all comes up. His thing is like he'll end it when he feels it needs to end, when he has no more stories to tell about the character. You know, it's like trilogy, of course, is, was originally the goal. But hey, if he has more stuff to tell about this guy, then that's great. We we just don't want it to go too crazy with it and know wear out it's welcome in that way yeah. or go too campy and silly and i don't know and it's like it, it, it's it's you, you have to know when to exit i i guess you could say in a lot of ways you, you look at breaking bad they knew when to go out they had the whole entire narrative in their head this yep. is the story we're going to tell and we're going to just do that and walk away yep and it didn't. It didn't go off like Game of Thrones. We're like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like you left them wanting more, and that's that's what you got to do. So, you know, I, I mean, I love the characters, so I'll keep doing it as long as possible. It's like I, I, I think there are plenty of stories to tell with this character. There's so many possibilities with them. So it just it depends what kind of stories we can come up with. Awesome, dude. Well, it's good to hear that, and. Um... I'm going to I'm going to end the podcast and if you'll just hang around really quickly so I can get a quick screenshot so I can sure. share that with uh with the podcast when it comes out but cool. uh, no problem. Dude, thanks again for coming on here and uh shooting the shit with me and now it feels complete. I had Damien and now I had yes. David and 
it's good. Now we're good. And yeah. <laughs> then part two comes out. You're going to have to get Lauren, Lavera, <laughs> and then Elliot and all these other people. You're like, oh, God, this is never going to end. Yeah. <laughs> But it's fun. I like. I like. I. I. I love just having loose conversations, and yeah, that's what it's all about. And it's good memories. It's been fun. Thanks, dude. I didn't realize how late it got. I was like, oh my god, time flew by. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude. Well, it's uh, good talking to you, and I will hopefully talk to you again soon. Sounds good. All right.